Smarties, we have no idea why it has taken us so long to do an episode about test-taking. Today, we share our principles of test-taking, and we chat in this episode about how we actually wrote this episode back in 2018. We also have a great conversation about Below Deck. (laughs) And today, we dig into the fundamental executive functioning skills of test-taking, our principles for taking multiple choice, short answer, and essay tests. We also talk talk about the modern post-COVID phenomenon of computer testing. If your learner is studying, 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 and still not performing on tests, they would be a great candidate for educational therapy intervention from either practice. You can sign up for a phone call for My Edge Therapist, which serves learners in Redondo Beach, Manhattan Beach, and virtually everywhere on Steph's website, www.myedtherapist.com, or you can sign up for a phone call with CAP Educational Therapy Group. My website is www.capedtherapy.com. That's K as in kite, A as in apple, P as in Peter, P as in Paul, edtherapy.com, which sees learners in person in our offices in Beverly Hills and virtually everywhere. We specialize in learners with executive functioning skills, challenges, and or an ADHD diagnosis. Let's dig in. You want to learn faster, but sometimes working harder is just not the answer. You have to learn smarter. The Educational Therapy Podcast. Hi, Smarties. Welcome to episode 231 of Learn Smarter, the Educational Therapy Podcast. I'm Stephanie Pitts. And I'm Rachel Cap. And today we're going to talk about how to take a test. But before we do that, as I was saying that little intro, I was thinking about how I used to have to read it. Uh-huh. And remember when we were trying to record at the beginning and I kept messing it up and I was like stressed about it? Yeah. <laughs> and now it just comes out straight. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so a couple of things. I want to go back. I don't know what episode it was. But we recently recorded an episode that's already come out where we talked about TV and you told me below deck. Well, okay, let's be clear. Okay. You've told me below deck multiple times. But I remember you said when I hadn't watched something, you said, what are you watching? And I said below deck. So since then, it's been about a week since we've recorded. Okay. Yeah, because Adam was out of town. Today is October 5th, but I literally had somebody yesterday tell me what day we recorded a previous episode, so I'm getting the hint that you guys like to know what day we recorded the episode on. <laughs> I have now blown through a season and a half of Below Deck... Mediterranean. Mediterranean. Mm-hmm. And Pierce, our editor, also did a deep dive on this show, so I know he's psyched. I just want to say, what a time to be alive <laughs> that there's television like this. <laughs> Tell us why. I liked how you said when you told me why you liked it the other day. I don't remember. What did I say? All the things that it included and what did it reminded you of? First of all, the water. It's a beautiful location. Absolutely. It's like the Kardashians without the Kardashians. Yes. Is that what you meant? Okay. (laughs) I did say that. It's so decadent. It is decadent. That's a great word to describe it. It's so decadent. And who knows if I'll ever be able to have the opportunity. I'm putting it out there. If you own a charter boat like that, a charter yacht, I don't want a boat. I want a yacht. We would love to come. We would love to be invited. We'll figure out something 
to make it work. And we'll have you on the podcast. (laughs) We'll have you on the podcast to discuss it. It is so fun to watch the inner workings of things. I always love stuff like that, but like, it's really interesting stuff. I wanted to ask you a question because in Top Chef, you explained to me like chef lingo. Yeah. You know, like, yes, chef and like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, All that. Yeah. yeah, All Mm -hmm. that, like behind all that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Why do they say their name twice when they're talking to somebody? So it's like all crew, all crew. This is CAD. Okay, so in case they don't press the button, like when they're pulling the walkie-talkies, and sometimes it takes a second, so that's why they end up saying it twice. I'm pretty sure I'm right. Okay. But I could be wrong, but there have been episodes where things have been missed because somebody didn't hear it or the button wasn't pressed all the way, and so it didn't catch it. So you know that's a challenge that emerges. I have not worked on a yacht, but I sort of have worked on a yacht. And so I do have some experience with this. Right. And it's imperative to know what's going on. Yeah. And when you're allowed to be where, because there's certain conditions where you can't be outside, like if the exhaust is going, you don't want to be breathing that in. And there's night watch times and like the passerelle, which is like the little bridge can't be down because then anybody and their brother could walk on the boat, you know, things like that. Okay, so when you've been on a yacht like this, were you operating as one of the guests? I was a hybrid. So where did you sleep? In the guest quarters with the kids. Okay, so like in the nice part? Yes. So I didn't work on the boat, but I worked while on the boat. I understand. And so then did you eat the chef's food, like the good food, or like the food that he would make the crew? Both. It depended. But mostly the chef's food for the guests. Where did you yacht around? What region? (laughs) This is getting very... um, Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. I see how it is. The Mediterranean. Okay. And Thailand. Well, I assume Thailand based off what I know. It was at the same yacht in the Mediterranean and it like, does it go to Thailand too? There have been both circumstances. Understood. All right. Steph's lived a cool life, guys. <laughs> Listen, they're in Croatia right now. Fabian and I have been to Croatia. You guys, I'm trying to give you as much information without being too cryptic. Yeah. She's trying to keep things private, but answer my questions. Yes. I think I did an okay job of it. No, no, no. It was good. It was good. Okay. okay. Let's transition, you know, back into the episode. Tests. Yeah. So we were trying to figure out what was sparking us joy and what we wanted to talk about. And there have been times over the years of podcasting. Years. Years. <laughs> where we write an episode and then it kind of just sits there because one of us loses interest or we forget about it or shiny object syndrome. We're like our clients. Like something will come up and we'll just completely pivot, which you should not do if you're a person who struggles with executive functioning skills. Like if you've already written something, go ahead and produce it, right? Like don't change topics, but whatever. Do as we say, not as we do. Yeah, but also I'm going to add what you're going to tell everybody about this episode actually helped us today. Oh, it totally helped us because the fundamental rule of when you write something is don't delete it, just move it somewhere else because you never know when you might need it. So this episode was written in 2018. (laughs) So four years later. And I was scrolling through episodes that we've written. Okay, here's a couple of things that's interesting. Our formatting has really changed. 
Like that was really obvious when I looked at the Google Doc for this episode. Yeah. The way we write episode, it literally says, Rach, Steph, Rach, Steph, of who's going to say what, you know, we don't do that anymore. It's more natural. So anyway, let's dig into this. I'm kind of surprised it took 231 episodes to get here. But here we are. But here we are. As you say, be happy I showed up to the party and don't focus on being late. Yeah. Yes. This is my favorite saying. I, this is my favorite new saying of yours. Okay. Okay. <laughs> let's embrace the fact that we're at the party at all. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about how to take a test. We've done some other episodes, which I think you've already linked in the show notes. Episode 126, we talked about how to take a math test. You can go back and listen and the links in the show notes, obviously. But we've not had like a generic conversation about how to take a test and how we advise our learners to approach a test. And this is something that I will just say has become incredibly evident amongst the learners that I'm working with. We talk all the time about how there's trends with the kids that we're working with. And oftentimes those trends turn into episodes. And one of the things that I'm really focusing on a lot with the learners that I'm working with right now is test taking. Mm. So Steph, do you want to share a little bit about the connection between test taking and executive functioning skills? Well, I think one of the things that we need to focus on or remember about test taking is executive functioning is all of those inner workings working together is being able to produce what you need when you need to produce it. Mm -hmm. So that includes answers to a test. So that's while you're taking the test and then leading up to the test, how to get ready for the test, how to know what to study. Like there's so many different parts of this that really have executive functioning in the underlying part of it, right? You need your memory. You need to be able to start. Prioritization. What's going to be on there? What's not going to be on there? There's just so many things. So understanding for learners who really struggle with executive functioning, test taking is also going to be a struggle. And we've also talked about how a lot of different testing formats don't really test the knowledge. Right. They test memorization. They test the ability to write. There's so many different things are going into play that really understanding what we're asking of them is a lot more complicated than just, you know, the information going and take the test. We have all those underlying executive functioning skills in addition to time pressure. And I don't care if learners have time or time and a half or double time or no time. There is still a pressure to perform. And so when you're under that pressure to perform all these other skills, which are not intuitive for the learners who struggle with the executive functioning skills anyway, and now are required, become even more challenging. I mean, let's go back to my mad minute. Like, I'm just going to always talk about that one and how stressed it made me. And then I didn't know I couldn't do it. You couldn't perform. Yep. And so I'm going to be honest with our audience. We have not read in detail this episode. So we are reading through it as we're recording right now. So I'll be curious to see if we still agree. Yeah. If current Rachel and Steph agree with past Rachel and Steph. So the first thing that we had written in 2018, when did we start the podcast? 2018. 2018. Okay. So this was a very early episode that we wrote. Yeah. We argued at that point that 
learners should get the hardest thing out of the way first, which quickly goes into do not feel the pressure to do the test in order, which I still do agree with. I still agree with that too. I might say the first thing to do would be to look over it. Yes. The second thing to do is if you need to know any formulas or anything that's pure memorization, to write it at the top. Yep. I just was discussing this with another student who did that on a French test. It was all the who, what, where, when. Mm -hmm. Fortunately, got confused on those. So didn't write it down properly and, and resulted in not a high test score. But that's something that we can work on to improve. But I agree. The first step is looking over the test and sort of figuring out what feels manageable, what feels harder, but also the pure memorization stuff. We're a big fan of a mnemonic. So if you know what's going to be coming up, like if you know, for example, that the teacher was really, really focused on the causes of World War II in lecture, let's say, it's reasonable to predict that there's going to be an essay topic on that so you can prepare in advance for that. Which reminds me, Steph, I really would love to do an episode on how to use prediction. Do you agree with getting the hardest thing out of the way first? No. I'm not sure I agree with that. Well, okay, I guess it depends on what it is, right? Okay, so I would say if it's a test that has multiple ways of asking questions, if there's one type of way that is harder, then I might do that. I might say that if we have recognized that. But if it's an essay, I wouldn't say yes. I would say wait for that because of a couple of reasons. The first reason is because you will lose track of time probably. And the second reason is because you are starting off cold. And so I think if you're starting at the beginning of a test, usually teachers are going to go chronologically. So that will help. Then the second part is it will start warming up your brain for the essay question. Yep. And then the third thing is if you forget anything, you can use the multiple choice questions. As a way of reminding yourself. As a way of reminding yourself or getting that info that you needed. I agree with that. I don't know that I would necessarily tell the learner to go to the hardest thing first. You know, in 2018, we weren't talking about time blindness, but especially now that we really understand that. And knowing how challenging it would be for a learner to manage their time appropriately, I think teaching students how to be strategic and use the test to inform other parts of the test is really, really wise. But we also broke this down into different types of tests, which is interesting because I don't know if we would format it that way at this point, but let's just go with it. And we even added a different type of format that we could never have predicted in 2018, which we'll talk about. So the first is multiple choice tests. I'm still a real big advocate of eliminate two and then pick your best guess. That can work. You can do that plus this or this. I am a really big believer in do this first, cover all the answers and come up with your own answer first. And also look at grammar. It's really smart. If you come up with your own answer and then you look at the answers and it's not there, then do the eliminate best guess. Yep. I also want to add in all types of test taking, and I want to apologize if there's bad audio coming from my end, the gardeners are here. Okay. With all types of test taking, it's really, really important 
that learners accurately read the instructions. Mm-hmm. There is a tendency to incorrectly read the instructions and then they get the test back and they're like, oh, and then they're really upset about it because it feels like an obvious mistake. When is this coming up? It's really when the teachers do all of the following except or something like that. Those are where kids get tripped up and rightfully so. So hopefully the teachers are bolding and underlining and giving feedback so that the kids know to look for it. Then the next style of test is short answers. And this is really where what we were just talking about can really trip up some learners. Oftentimes there can be an and or but, or really the teacher is asking two or three different things. Sometimes they're specifically saying give two answers or give three answers here. It's really, really wise to make sure that learners can restate the question. It gives them time to think. It gives them time to ruminate on it. And it gives them the opportunity to figure out how many different questions are actually being asked because it is so typical of the learners that we work with only to answer the first one or only to give one answer when they were asked for multiple. Steph, what would you add? So I was going to say, it's always important to go back and underline the parts of the question that are asking things specifically, because a lot of times there's a lot of sentences. The other thing I have learners do is go back and reread the question after they're done to make sure they answered it correctly. And then for kids that really struggle with writing more than one sentence or knowing what to write, as you call it, the 5% challenge of writing one more sentence. Mm -hmm. And then you have essay tests. Mm -hmm. What's so fun about looking back at this stuff is like how consistent we are about some stuff. So Mm -hmm. we strongly want our learners to be outlining so they know where they're going. And let's be clear about what an outline is. It's usually like four or five bullet points. It does not have to be this in-depth thing. It's literally a guide. I wrote in 2018, you'll hear me say a lot to focus on substance over style, (laughs) which we have continued to talk about. I'm going to read verbatim. This is something students with ADHD primarily struggle with because they want to tackle the whole assignment from the top down, but they need to start with the basics. Yes, past Rachel, I agree with you. A hundred percent. And the other thing is doing the intro And conclusion, last, having them write down what each of the paragraphs are going to be about and then coming up with the intro and conclusion from there. I usually recommend that because it's hard to come up with your ideas in an intro and then follow suit and be able to stay on task. So if you write the middle part, you know, how about this? When you're talking about the hamburger example... Yeah. You need to cook the meat first before you put it on the bun. That is the last step, right? Yep. Perfect. I love the metaphors from you. (laughs) That has been consistent in our four and a half years of podcasting. (laughs) All right. And also, I went ahead and linked the executive functioning skills of writing episodes that we did very early on. I actually think we should re-air them because they're that good. And I reference them a lot. So... Those are really good episodes to understand the virtue and the value of writing out of order and why we advocate so much for it. So what 2018 Rachel and Steph didn't know. (laughs) So true. Is that COVID would happen Mm -hmm. and online learning would happen. And as a result, computer testing would become normal. I literally have multiple friends who took the bar on a computer. 
in their homes. Oh. I'm just using that as an example of how things have shifted. Anyway, go on, Steph. And you mentioned that you don't have this as much anymore, but it's still very prevalent here. So computer tests. One of my clients took a math test on the computer two weeks ago. And the problem with taking a test on the computer, if it's automated and it's not exactly how the teacher wrote it, it will mark it wrong. So some of the things that she got right got marked wrong. And then she had to tell the teacher and then go back and the teacher had to look at it, etc. And formatting for math is so hard on the computer. Oh, for sure. The other thing that was really hard is that you can't go back necessarily because there's different pages and all of that. So the strategy that we came up with to help her was to actually get it printed out and her do it on paper. And that is going to be a big game changer for her, without a doubt. The problems that arise with computer testing, being that grammar and spelling and all these things now count differently, is definitely part of it. The other part of it is the technology of it. And is it a Google form? Did it submit? Mm -hmm. Those kinds of problems come up very often. Yeah, because like in a paper and pencil test in school, kids hand those to the teachers. Right, exactly. So last night, actually, I was working with a client and he opened a quick check, then it locked him out. And then he didn't know what to do. And so I happened to find where it said resume and it let him go back into it. But he didn't find that on his own. So it just created a whole other level for him. It wasn't just about the content at that point. It was testing his ability to actually get into the test. Problem solving. Yes. Which we just talked about doing an episode on as well. Yes. So anyway, you know, I do think that some tests on the computer are totally easy and useful. Multiple choice makes total sense. You have to be specific. Is it vocabulary or is it a math problem? Multiple choice. Those are two different things. So some things... It's definitely appropriate to do it on the computer. And mind you, some kids probably do really well on the computer because they just do well on the computer. And that's their preferred method of doing things. Or can you type it instead of writing an essay? I would love that. But we're just putting it out there because this is a new thing and it's evolving. So I don't know what it's going to look like in four years from now when we go back and have this conversation again. But for right now, there's a lot of kinks. Yeah. We're working it out. Yeah. So I'm going to leave it at that. Let's leave it at that. All right, Smarties. Have a great week. Have a great week.